0: Isaac Morehouse, welcome to the podcast where we discuss education, entrepreneurship, big ideas, how to put them into practice in the real world, and above all, how to live free. $50,267. That is the average starting salary for Praxis graduates. Their average age, 21. Most of them do not have a college degree. Many of them came straight out of high school. All of them wanted more than classrooms and studying and fretting over GPAs and graduating and shooting out resumes hoping one landed somewhere that they didn't absolutely hate. They chose praxis To get into the real world and work with amazing fast-growing startups and small businesses right now why wait to learn by doing to reflect and study and push yourself and have coaching and and mentoring to improve on what you're doing and then to go back to doing it again that back-and-forth process of real-world engagement in a business setting and reflecting on it self-guided curriculum that's what praxis is all about in less than one year graduating the program starting at an average of fifty thousand two hundred and sixty seven dollars that's after a paid apprenticeship during the program see you get paid to apprentice while you're in the program with these businesses and when you're done you get hired on that is a deal that no other institution can match. You, you can't get that kind of exposure and that kind of net cost of zero experience that leads you to a fulfilling life and career that quickly anywhere else. Go to discoverpraxis.com and join. All right. Welcome to the show today. We are going to do a mock interview. I think it's going to be really fun and um, I think really informative. So I'm joined by Daniel Myers. I'm not going to give you his background and bio. I'm going to let that come through in the mock interview itself. But um, what we're going to do is I am going to pretend to be working at a company that Daniel is applying for um, to, to work at and interviewing him about the job. And we'll go through and I'm going to do, I'll do some sort of traditional interview questions, some sort of trendy ones or non-traditional and some things that I, I mean, kind of the way that I actually have interviewed people uh, and do interview people. I've done, I don't know, hundreds of interviews at least um, over the last several years. And I kind of experiment with a lot of stuff. So we're going to go through it. And then when we're done with the interviews, we're going to stay sort of in character throughout the job interview. When we're done, um, we'll kind of break down and discuss How the interview went. What are some, you know, how did how did it feel from both ends? What were some different ways we could approach it, and really use this as a way to just explore the art of the job interview and maybe some uh, less conventional ways it can be approached. So, Daniel, how you doing, man?
1: I'm doing excellent. It's it's I really appreciate you uh, taking me on your podcast.
0: Yeah, you bet. This, uh, you know, you had you had mentioned some topics and wanting to come on, and and I was just trying to think of like what is a great way to. To explore, and this idea came to me, and I actually I really like it. So we're gonna see where it goes. So first, before we jump in, what kind of company? What are you interviewing for? Who am I supposed to be working with here?
1: So um, I've been looking over, um, you know, startups, and I've looked over, you know, uh, established firms or mid-sized companies. But um, I really like, um, and, and it can happen with any company, but. Uh, the culture that comes along with the startup. And obviously that's harder to maintain at uh, a larger scale company. But I really like um, sort of smaller companies who are trying to find out, all right, uh, we've got this great product, but we need to be able to find a way uh, for people to get interested. Uh, as, with any, as with any product, um, if it's marketed right, if it's um, displayed right, if it, the word has got out about it, then uh, it can really go far. And I think that's a very exciting time uh, especially for a young person like myself, to think about um, how could I be in those early stages to try and develop um, or try to get the word out about a good product. Okay, so
0: in. so let's say this is a company that's about three years old. Um, yeah, right. Maybe we have 10 employees, 10 to 15, sure. something like that. And uh, what do we make, software?
1: Um, yeah, software, app um maybe a service through an app but probably technology okay okay so, so let's software. say
0: let's say we make software and it's for businesses those are our customers so it's like a software as a service or some kind of um some kind of software that is being sold to let's say small businesses because I know a little bit more about this field so I'll be able to ask more intelligent questions and, and play the role <laughs> a little better. Uh, my true method acting, if I would have really followed I would have been spending the last month you know, pretending to be uh, the CEO of a B2B business to uh, business SaaS software as a service company. But I didn't have time for that so we're gonna have to go on the fly. Okay, so let's say we sell some kind of software to small businesses, we've been around for like three years, we've got a good product um, a small number of, of core customers, uh, maybe you were th- thinking about getting venture backed, um, maybe not, and this is kind of right about that time, but what we're hiring for is, and this is really, really common, I gotta tell you, this is one of the roles that we um, fill pra- send Praxis participants to a lot, a lot of them get hired on after the program in roles like this, sort of business development or sales development uh, roles, where you're kind of doing a combination of researching potential future customers, doing some cold calls, cold emails, um, trying to queue up sort of account executives with warm leads or prospects, people that you think would be a good fit, you've had an initial conversation, they might want the product, or kind of exploring ways you can expand your market. So does that sound like a a reasonable uh, thing to be interviewing for?
1: Yeah, that sounds awesome.
0: All right, so we're gonna jump right in, and uh, you ready for this? Put on your game face. I'm ready to go. All right. Daniel, great to chat with you. It's great to be here, Isaac. Uh, so let me ask you first. I know our interview was scheduled at 2, and you were there technically at 2, but it was about 30 seconds past the hour when you actually got on Skype. I was getting a little nervous there. Uh, what's your uh, What's your MO for uh, being, at, being at a meeting?
1: You know, um, I was just grabbing my headphones, making sure everything was um, good to go. just prepping myself getting my game face on so uh that was it that was that was
0: that 30 seconds okay um where are you at a call center right now
1: (laughs) yes i actually yeah i'm i'm actually already a telemarketer i'm so sorry yes no i'm just uh i'm having to be in a room uh with lots of phones so please excuse me
0: no worries i actually it's it's a weird sound actually to hear a landline phone. I, I, I know this is off topic, but my son, several years ago, he was like five or six, we were watching a movie and there was a phone ringing in the background of the movie. And he looked around and he said, what, what is that noise? I said, that's a phone. He said, that's not a phone. That doesn't sound like a phone because our cell phones had like you know ringtones and stuff. Uh, so this generation, that's a completely foreign sound to many, <laughs> to many people. Um, well, let me ask you this. I've got you know I've got your resume in front of me and I, I can check you out on LinkedIn and whatnot for for the basics but I want you to give me a bio of yourself without referencing job history age education or geography. How would you describe yourself?
1: You know I would I would start off by saying that um, I've always been interested in understanding um, truly how something works. Um, so from the very beginning. Um, I was always looking for, okay, uh, here's some object. Um, I would start to start to tinker with it a bit. Um, I wasn't necessarily going the full way, you know, taking everything apart and putting it back together. Although I did do that on in some instances. Um, but I was always willing to jump into something, um, for better or for worse, jump into something and try it out for myself. And I've you know I've done that in many different ways um whether it's been through using technology um, something more traditionally based in software uh, maybe it's been something like trying my hand at art uh, maybe it's been something like trying to program or code something maybe I'm trying to learn something about um, history or science or technology but uh, i've the more and more I've done it the more I've realized that um, you know certainly when going on s- some endeavors, um, they're, they're more daunting than you, than you originally thought they were. Um, but it's always a good learning experience. Um, and there's always, there's always something interesting that you, uh, never realized was so complex about that particular subject matter. So, um, and
0: yeah, go I was going to ask if you could give me an example of something where you kind of jumped in and, and just sort of started tinkering with it. Um, yeah. So, uh, I think one good example is,
1: I'm no um graphic designer or professional by any means, but um back in my earlier years uh, i used to i used to do photography and you know after after doing some photography, you think, well, how can I perhaps make this photo a bit better or add some new life to it and so you know I thought, well, okay, how hard could it be to get into photography editing editing and you know after doing some time with that, I thought what if I tried to make uh, graphic design? How hard could it be, right? There's sort of this trend. How hard could it be to try to go to the next step? So then I started to get my hands on free graphic design tools and I started to make my own designs. And um, I actually tried starting a small clothing company with my own designs um, that are all based around a sort of positive, um, uplifting or um, interesting message, but with a modern style to it. And actually, Uh, printed some and was wearing them around and people would say "Oh, those are really cool shirts where did you get those and i'd say well i made them and they said really i said yeah you know and to to them it was surprising but i guess to me it wasn't just because it wasn't that i had any like you know innate talent just to make awesome designs but just that i just kept working at something and trying to figure out um how i could create something um out of something that i hadn't really had any maybe professional experience with, but just had been tinkering with.
0: You know, it's interesting. You mentioned everyone was uh, sort of surprised, but you, but you weren't. That's a really common thing. Things that you've just sort of put yourself into and discovered and learned that seem natural to you because it's just part of what you're doing, part of your exploration. That seem exceptional to others. It's really it's really common to have that kind of a divergence. That's a cool story. So I came across on LinkedIn, you have this 44 page study on sort of the Sort of the startup environment in Tennessee. Um, and if I if I understand correctly from that in a blog post I saw about it, you kind of did this as a way to to get the attention of a of a company, a venture capital firm that you wanted to work for and sort of use this instead of just sending a resume, you went out and actually did something valuable and did some research that you think would be interesting to them and used that. What prompted you? to go about uh you know doing that and 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 how much time did you did you put in and what do you feel you got out of it three questions in one
1: (laughs) (laughs) you know i heard of this um not really company or firm or anything but really this um educational program called praxis i I had actually met the ceo um about two years ago Oh, he's
0: a great guy i've heard of them too (laughs) that's
1: great uh, yeah he really is an awesome guy but um Uh, You know, I saw an article on there and I think it was by one of his uh, co-workers associates and uh, they mentioned, you know, uh, what what they ask, what kind of skill sets do you have? Um, And, um, you know, they're always about asking, what do you have available at your, you know, at your disposable that you can use to uh, create value for someone? And so, um, you know, I took that to heart and I thought, OK, uh, what could I do for someone who's maybe not in a field that's uh, that's necessarily like mine? That's a bit different, but still show them that, uh, in spite of whatever I study, whatever that may be, um, that I could still show them that I'm interested and can understand uh, their industry and their field. So I thought, well, I have a lot of experience in writing reports, in um, you know collecting data. Um, in, in trying to find out what we can actually pull from that data, uh, what we could maybe elaborate on and uh, what the data might suggest for the future or, or even about a situation in general. And uh, you know, I try to think about, okay, how can we collect, consolidate and convince? Um, that's particularly important in, in whatever you do, it's right making, uh, taking your data, consolidating it and making a convincing argument for why, what you have found um, supports conclusion X.
0: And do you feel like you got a lot of value out of that? I mean, I'm assuming it took a lot of time. Uh, you're interviewing here, so I assume you didn't get that particular job. Do you feel like it was worth it and you, you gained something? Definitely. Uh, it was still still very worth it. Uh, I think you have, kind of
1: have to go into the mindset of these sorts of things. Um, when you undertake a project, uh, whatever that may be, whether you're trying to start your own business or you're trying to, you know, create a 44-page report uh, – you know, however, whenever you decide to try to pull that trigger, you don't know if that bullet, even that that bullet's, you know, aimed as well as you can, if it's going to strike the target. And, you know, I don't think you should expect to fail, but you should be ready uh, in the event that it might happen. But no, the event was, the, the, the project was still great. You know, I still reached out to Chambers of Commerce. I reached out to our Department of Economic and Community Development. I reached out to entrepreneurs. I reached out to um, investors. And, um, you know, uh, probably many of them knew about what was going on in Tennessee because these are the kinds of things that they're this is their field. But it was it was a great project to try to find all the interesting facts, all the figures, all the data uh, and consolidate it, put it together in a way that makes sense. And then add my own flavor to it, which is to say, okay, here's all the information that we have.
0: What does it all mean? Uh, Daniel, why? Why this company? Why Acme Incorporated? Let's just, uh, breaking character for a second, let's just say that's the name of the company here. Uh, why Acme Incorporated? Why business development? What made you interested in this?
1: You know, coming, coming from my background, it, I've always tried to see, um, especially when I find a product or a service that's particularly innovative, um, that's adding real value, not just something that is, um, you know, sort of maybe building a little bit, but it's building a lot. Um, I chose Acme Incorporated because I see that your product, your service of um, doing business-to-business solutions is is non-traditional in the sense that it's not just a replica of maybe um, what everybody else has found, but it's something that is going to not only help um, the other businesses better, but it's going to provide a new way that I think will be a trendsetter. Um, I don't like very... Two traditional or two um, companies that are stuck in maybe older ways, because if they're not adaptable, then that's not a good signal for a company. Um, it shows that maybe uh, their lifetime is up. And I don't see that with Acme. I see, I see a company that's evolving. I see a company that has an innovative idea. And I want to get the word out about this. I want to do research and see what kind of markets uh, or what kind of customers, clients we can have to, uh, to better grow this company.
0: So if you don't get the role here, what would be another role uh, that you would love at another type of company? You don't have to tell me specific companies or anything like that. I'm not. I'm not trying to investigate who else you're applying with. But you know, if this role wasn't you know didn't work out, what would you be looking for? What would you be on the market for?
1: You know, I'd probably take something similar. So business development would take right market research, um, uh, PR. Uh, marketing, you know, talking with investors, um, I'd be willing to go, uh, business development sort of takes all those three, you know, uh, jobs, so to say, and puts them into one. But any one of those single entities, uh, if I needed to, if I wanted to go to a company that, for example, did maybe strictly research uh, more so, or maybe if it was strictly PR um, for my position, or, you know, PR, marketing, it's sort of that, you know, brand positioning. Sure. um, so I would probably go into something that would be, do we be doing something similar. I do like smaller companies. I'm not opposed to larger companies, but um, working having worked with smaller companies before, it's very interesting to see um, sort of how they move and how they're very um, very family oriented. And again, it is it's sometimes harder to maintain that at a at a larger company. You know, talking maybe 5,000, 10,000 plus employees.
0: So uh, what's the worst job you've ever had?
1: Oh, no. Oh, Um, you know, I won't say the worst job I've ever had, but I'd rather say the kind of environment that is uh, bad for anybody. And for me, as someone who likes to self-start things, Um, you know, try to find innovative ways to do things if that kind of environment isn't encouraged. And I understand that there is policy, obviously to things that we have to be doing, but if my, if my personality of, Hey, let's try to find a better way to do this, or could this work out instead? Um, if that's not really encouraged then that's a poor environment for me, that's not to say that that's bad everywhere. Sometimes some people like policy, they like following all the rules. Um, but uh, I, tried to, I like to try to find ways where, um, or environments where I'm rewarded for trying to find innovative
0: solutions. So, you know, let's, let's say there's a continuum where on the one side you have people who are very, very action biased. They're going to just act on things immediately with almost no thought. They're going to sort of reflect on it only after the fact, if at all. Um, they're going to just jump right into things. On the other side, on the far end of the continuum, you have people who are analysis bias, they want every bit of analysis, every bit of information. They want to study and think about things for a long time before they take any action. Um, you know, maybe on the extreme case to the point of never taking action. If you've got those two extremes on this continuum and you've got to place yourself, which one of those would you be closer to?
1: You know, I would say I don't think it's in the middle, and I think sometimes I sort of um, venture to other sides. Sometimes I'm really analytical, so I can be more on the analysis side. But I wouldn't argue that I would ever be on the analysis paralysis side, which is so much analysis that you're just sitting there doing nothing. Um, I can't, I don't, I can't stand inactivity. So, um, but I do, I do some toward towards a lean, uh, lean towards the analysis side. On the other hand, though, I have found myself. Uh, being on the action side, which I don't necessarily shoot first and ask questions later, but my finger might be very close on the trigger and safety off.
0: So, so you're um, giving me an economist answer on the one hand <laughs> <laughs> What's the old joke about you need a one-armed economist so they, <laughs> so they can't keep giving you both hands? Um, I mean, that's, that's fair. I understand it. You know, it's, it's interesting. It's sort of contextual sometimes. I mean, there are maybe depending upon the level of knowledge you feel you already have in a given situation. Um, but it sounds kind of like, te- correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds kind of like you are a bit more on the analysis side. You, you like to do research um, and kind of, you know, get your facts and, and dig a little deeper than uh, maybe maybe the average person before jumping into something.
1: Uh, I would definitely agree with that. But I am not afraid to shoot sometimes, for sure. better or for worse.
0: Um, what's something that you know almost nothing about that you really want to learn about?
1: You know, it's so funny. Actually, my brother he's he's an excellent programmer, um, excellent coder, excellent understanding um, technology. And I'm not computer illiterate, but I wish I understood um, higher level mathematics and higher level um, coding and programming better. And I'm actually working to uh, not on the math side, but actually on the coding side. I took a I took a Java class just for fun. Um, and was it fun? As a- <laughs> it depends on how you teach it <laughs> uh, but um you know it, it was fun but uh it like i like i was saying earlier with the things uh that i just kind of jump into um if it if if anything even if i didn't like it it makes me respect the people who do that kind of work even more so when i started doing java and i was like gosh my code just won't compile um, I thought to myself, this is something that developers, uh, software developers doing backends or whatever, whatever they do, uh, this is what they have to deal with all the time. And it makes me respect them all the more uh, for that. But I think definitely tech mathematic, high level mathematics and um, uh, coding and and. Software development is something I would uh, like to know more about.
0: Is that something you want to sort of master as, and, and maybe specialize in as a career, or more just gain knowledge of because it's interesting and kind of a, a side hobby, expand your horizons?
1: I'd probably put on more of the side hobby, not making a career out of it, sure. but enough to do. If I had to, if I had to, you know, whip something up and have someone, uh, you know, work on it and develop it further, then that's kind of to the extent I'd like it.
0: So tell me about a time that you failed at something
1: gosh too many to count right <laughs> no it's always, um, that's
0: always a safe way to buy some time <laughs> so it doesn't seem like you're arrogant because you can't think of one <laughs> well played well played i've had some interviews before or, or you know a time where something didn't go according to how you wanted it to and sort of how, what, what did you do how'd you deal with it
1: yeah um so i think uh, i think getting ready for As you can tell, I I get very I tend to get very excited about things. Like I said, I can shoot uh, before asking questions sometimes. And I think I can build up a lot of hype around something. I get very excited. Um, So I think one particular example, let's go back to this report, right? Um, So I was very excited about this report um, put myself out there, um, you know, Tried to collaborate with everybody. And, you know, I was like, I was like, all right, like everybody's excited about this. They're ready to go. Like, this is very exciting. This is what I've always wanted to do. But then when I basically found out that I didn't get the position, um, it, it I mean, it was a, it was a huge letdown. Uh, it was, I mean, it, it, I don't like to use the word failure. Um, and I think you'll understand why too. It's just that everything could be a learning experience and that, no, that's not an economist answer. Um, <laughs>
0: Um, but right it's but, but there is but there is some if you're in a business development role you know there's there's a goal to maybe maybe get the call to do the demo and uh, you either get it or you don't at some point so you exactly. don't have to let it define you as a failure but but I think you know you if you don't get the end that you want that's a real thing
1: exactly and so I think that and that's that, that was a big failure for me is thinking shoot you know I thought I was building up it seemed like they were ready to go and then all of a sudden um, you know it, it they pulled out did you um, learn I,
0: anything from that, anything you would do differently or uh, take away from it? Yeah, definitely.
1: Um, it was it was a nice paradigm shift. With any major failure, there's always a chance to find, okay, where is the paradigm shift? What did I expect to happen? Uh, why didn't it happen? And then, um, in the end, did it really matter that it, it, it was a failure in the sense that, Uh, There's always there's always going to be some repercussions. And sometimes they can be very, I mean, they can be very uh, serious. But I think that even though I didn't get the position, uh, I the report was still mine. At the end of the day, I had still done research, I had still reached out to people, I had still tried to find a way to create value. And so at the end of the day, although I may have not got the position that I thought I, you know, I thought I wanted, there's still opportunities out there. That's not the last um, you know startup internship position job that exists. Um, and I can still take that elsewhere. and I learned from it. I just learned to be cautious, um, you know, take you know, exactly you know, st- start building on things, making sure that what I'm doing is, is actually going the direction I want to and that I don't a big thing too uh, for some people, especially you know if you're putting all your energy into one thing, is really truly all your eggs in one basket. Um, so to, to make sure you're building up options along the way as well.
0: So, uh, if you could have, if I told you, Daniel, you could have one conversation with anyone, what would you want to talk about and who would you want to talk with?
1: Uh, I would definitely want to talk about the future uh, with either
0: Peter Thiel or Elon Musk, easily. Um, Okay, so I'm going to give you another crazy hypothetical uh, (laughs) task here. Let's say I said, all right, your goal is to make the most money possible in the shortest amount of time. What activities do you think you would go about engaging in?
1: Well, um, I probably wouldn't start with. You're talking about business development or
0: what? Anything. So if I just said this is your this is your new goal in life, and let's say you just accept it <laughs> oh, uh, to make the most money in the shortest amount of time possible, what do you think you would go after to try to make that happen?
1: I would try to take my skill sets right now and as much as it, as much as it hurts sometimes, just put yourself out there, say, these are my skill sets. This is what I can do. I'll do whatever I can. So let's say for example, there's people who maybe need reports done. Okay. Uh, I did this report. I can try and do this report as fast as possible, or, okay, you need translation services. Um, I'm fluent in German. Let's, I'll translate documents for so many cents a word or, so many dollars an hour. Um, okay, I have photography skills. You want photography done? Let's go do photography. I would take on as many side jobs as possible um, I, with my given skill sets. you know, Some people might say stocks or something else, but I don't think I would be at the moment one who would just all of a sudden just jump into stocks.
0: What would you say is your most unpopular or controversial belief?
1: I'd say, you know, interestingly enough, I think people enjoy, uh, people enjoy people who are positive. They enjoy people who are, are enthusiastic about life. But every time I'm sort of, I'm sort of talking about being positive and saying, yes, we can do it. Yes. There's a way to find it. Or, uh, even talking about the future and talking about how humanity, uh, could be better and will be better, uh, considering myself a definite optimist, I'm often met with confusion and these people just sort of look at me like, OK, that's nice, Daniel. That's that's cool. You do you, you know, and I feel like that's hard to get across to people. So I don't think it's I don't think it's controversial in the sense. I don't think anybody's against being positive. But I think that um, I'm just I'm just not understood on that level of, you know, wanting to think about the future how we can build it and the fact that as much as we hear in the news oh everything's awful oh people are getting shot at oh people are robbing people murdering people whatever that there's are still good and there's people doing constructive things and i think i'm i'm alone in that very alone
0: what is something that or some things that you hate doing you just know it's not for you you try to stay away from it. oh gosh
1: um whew. I'd say quite honestly, being in a research laboratory um it's like <laughs> it's like as soon as I put on the gloves, I just feel like I'm banging my head against uh uh the countertop, and I don't get anywhere for some reason. It's just like all my dexterities and skills just go out the window and or maybe you, they've had to
0: do this for uh for school or something for a couple classes. yes, I have gotcha. had to do this
1: um I'm not. I'm not I'm not uh, terrible at it, but it's just it's not something that I enjoy. Yeah, um, there's just I just I just don't find myself um, being innovative or I just feel like I'm following a procedure, which, you know, that's my perspective on it. That's not to say <laughs> that, right. All PhDs just do this. No, I mean, they definitely find enjoyment in their work and but obviously they're probably a lot better at it, too. Uh, but that is definitely something I, don't, I do not like.
0: That's good to know. We won't put you in the Acme Inc. Uh, research uh, laboratory <laughs> mixing, you know, chemicals. Um, how many emails are in your inbox right now? Uh, like
1: unread or?
0: Both, read and unread.
1: Uh, I mean, if it's like, if it's like something that's not necessarily that important, like, you know, well, a quick little newsletter or this or that or the other that really doesn't grab my attention, then it's, it's not read, quite frankly.
0: But if it's say, hey, um... So, so we you have like hundreds, thousands, thousands. Oh yeah, there's
1: oh yeah, there's definitely there's definitely thousands of emails there. It's what's just, your what's your
0: process of managing your inbox?
1: Um, there's, quite frankly, given the amount of space that's available there, um, I don't feel any need to go and delete all these old newsletters or anything like that. The most important conversations to me are the ones who are people saying, "Hey, Daniel, either I need your help or." We're interested in you, or I have a question. Those emails I respond to immediately. Those are the most. So they don't important. get
0: lost in the in the flow of all the other ones in there.
1: No, I I check my email frequently enough, and this is honest. I I, trip, I check my email frequently enough to where I am. If there's anything like that. Um, I, I don't miss those. Um, and I try to respond uh, as fast as possible on those emails to try to help them with or text messages or Facebook messages or whatever, whether it's related to some subject uh, for a course or if it's a general question about a program or whatever. I'm always sure to try to help people with those serious questions because I know they're seeking help and I know what it feels like to reach out to people.
0: So I've got just a few more questions for you. We'll wrap up here in, in a minute. Um, I'll give you a chance to, to ask me any questions. Um, what's the what's the longest you've ever stayed up without sleep to finish something?
1: Uh, yeah, I stayed up all night. But I'd say, so like right, So like, like, like what? 24
0: hours? 24, uh, probably no more than 48. Certainly probably something around
1: 36,
0: 30. Um, what would you say, you mentioned Peter Thiel, so I'm, I'm, maybe you've read uh, Zero to One. Definitely, um, awesome book. What would you say that you have a monopoly on? What, what is something that you do uniquely well? And it doesn't necessarily have to be something that's obviously connected to you know, the workplace, but just something about your personality, who you are, that's really unique, that's really hard for other people to replicate. Uh,
1: I think I've got this excellent combination of, um, focused energy and being able to make connections where some people may not see them. So whether my studies have been in philosophy or, um, you know, history or German or, you know, quantum mechanics, um, I love trying to find out either how these are connected through a series of, you know, um, philosophical highways if you could think of it like that philosophical streets bringing them all together and saying um you know this world really is there there are some there are there are some absolutes it would be an absolute to say there are no absolutes but um a lot of it is shades of gray and there's a lot to be learned from those different shades and to um try to think about how everything's connected and to, to try to see that Not everything acts as independently as maybe we are brought up thinking of it about.
0: You know, it reminds me of, if you haven't seen it, it's really cool. I saw a couple of people sharing it around social media. This, This little illustration by, I think it was Dave Asprey, and it shows a bunch of points and it says data, and then it shows a bunch of points of different colors and it says information, and then it shows them all connected with lines and it says knowledge. And then it shows two of those, uh, one on each end, and it says insight. And then it shows a distinct path from the one to the other, and it says wisdom. And there's a really interesting way of kind of mapping out different types of information and from everything from just data to seeing connections to knowing how to, you know, get a, get a path through those connections and causal relationships. Just reminded me of that. It's worth, worth checking out. I'll, I'll email it to you afterwards. Definitely. Um, all right, last question for you. Uh, let's say you're in this business development role. You've got a potential customer, uh, CEO of a small business that you know would be a really good fit for our software, and you need to get him on the phone with one of our reps to do a demo of the product. And you're doing a cold email. What would you? How would you construct that cold email? What, what do you? Th- what do you think you would you would include in it? How how might you write that up?
1: Uh, so as I had mentioned before, right, any good product just needs to be, um, you know, shaped a bit differently. Um, however, however, you know, again, not being misleading about what the product does, but shaping it in such a way that one makes sense to, um, to whoever I'm pitching it to and two, to get that person excited to mention the things that they want to hear. Um, so I think what I would first do is do some do some background research on this CEO um, who would be getting it, see what he, maybe he's invested in, see what um, he's interested in. Maybe if he's got a particular industry strength um, and see what he's invested in before and uh, you know, whatever else I could find about him or her. Um, and then, okay. say so take that information, try to find out, Okay. Here's the three main points about what uh, this CEO, uh, what they're about. And then, Start to write up the email mentioning what our software does and saying it hits on these major points. This is um, so to kind of get him sort of as a hook saying, okay, here's the things he's interested in. Here's what he knows our software does. And then sort of go into a quick history about kind of where we came from. And again, this is not too long. Um, Quick history about where we are and if that he'd like a demo, we'd be willing to uh, schedule a meeting with him if if that sounds like something he's interested in investing in. Daniel, do you have any questions for me? Yeah, you know, um, as the CEO of Acme Incorporated, uh, what do you think the biggest challenge is moving forward um, so far as developing this this company?
0: Okay, so I'll I'll just pretend like I gave an answer to these questions. Uh, (laughs) So I gave a really profound answer to that. Any other (laughs) questions?
1: (laughs) Um, Do you see any issues with this particular software falling, even though, even though it's good now, do you see it falling out of date? Do you see that? Um, do you think this, this, this service is sustainable?
0: Great question. Let me tell you my reasons why, and maybe why not. Any other questions?
1: No, you know, I think that's it.
0: All right. Well, hey, Daniel, I appreciate the interview. I will be, our team will be getting back with you uh, in the next few weeks to let you know the next step. And regardless of the outcome, it was great to chat. I'll send you that email I mentioned with that uh, illustration and uh, have a great day.
1: All right, Isaac. I really appreciate it. Thank you.
0: All right. Hey, well done, Daniel. Well done. All uh, right.
1: Awesome. That's what ob- I like.
0: Obviously, there were some things that, you know, made it tricky <laughs> since we were pretending uh, like the questions for me, etc. But, um, Let's kind of walk through a little bit. Uh, how did you feel in the interview? I mean, what what were the high points and low points?
1: I think, and, please excuse me, but I think, I think really knowing that you're going to be talking with someone who, you know, there's that sort of bias things. Okay, there's going to be, I'm talking with somebody who's going to most likely understand me. It seems like this is a pretty good person. So I think going in, I was a little biased knowing what you're about, Isaac. Uh, But I felt great the whole time, you know, it just, uh, you had very interesting questions and I think I was able to
0: express what I was about um, just through those questions. So I felt, I felt good. You know, that's actually really, that's more common than you might expect. I kind of feel like if you're in an interview where you have no idea where the person's coming from and you're kind of scared, you don't know if there's any, you don't know about, you know, the way that they approach things, whatever. That's probably a problem. Uh, you know, By the time you're getting an interview stage, you should have, I mean, most, most job interviews don't come from cold resumes anyway, so probably somebody introduced you, you should have done some research, today it's not that hard to find. So you should be in a similar position where you kind of really do know what motivates this, especially if it's a startup, and the person who started it, obviously they're really passionate about the product. Um, I like to, and, and I think you did a good job of this, you know, I, since it was a fake interview, we couldn't do it as much but i like to use the date analogy for interviews for cover letters for emails to employers when you go on a date you know many people think the job is to impress you know impress me impress the person that you want to hire you and say here are the five reasons i would make a good employee here are the things i would do that would create value but it's really interesting especially with the cover letter but interview as well the employer's actually want you to talk about them so if you're going on a date with someone for the first time and you sit down and say hey let me tell you the three reasons I am really dateable and you should want to go on another date with me. That's a real turnoff. Instead, you want someone to say, Hey, let me tell you why I am interested in you. Why did I want to go on this date? Let me tell you what's fascinating about you. You know what I think is interesting? This, that, and the other thing. You ask questions about them. Tell me about this. Tell me about that. And I think that's what many people miss. I've been hiring for roles before where a hundred or more applications, cover letters will come in and probably one in a hundred, two at most, ever say anything about me or the company or organization I'm working for. They all say, my name is X. Here's what I do. Here are my skills. I'd be a great fit for your company. Why? And sometimes it literally says, you know, insert company name because they're just blasting out generic stuff. But <laughs> very few say, Hey, I love what you're doing. Your company is amazing. I looked at your website and the first thing I thought was boom, boom, boom. This is so cool. How can I be a part of it? I have a passion for this. But I really love what you're like. Now I'm listening. I want to be flattered. You know, T- tell me about me. And 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 I think that's a really lost um, perspective. A lot of people don't have. They're so busy worrying about selling themselves. They don't think about how the other person wants to be to know that you're interested in them. And, and it goes for companies as well. Um, your opening answer when I when I try kind of gave you a little uh, hardball about showing up on time slash late. Um, you know. One way to, to handle that, um, if, if you are a few seconds or a few minutes later, if you're right on time, but the person is like, you know, uh, I was waiting or, you know, they give you, they ask you about that timeliness. Once you're already a minute late or a few minutes late, and again, you were, you were exactly at two o'clock <laughs> and about 30 seconds. I was actually watching the seconds tick by, hoping that you'd be late so I could ask you that question. Uh, <laughs> one way to, to handle that is to just own it and say, if someone says, hey, why were you here a couple minutes late? I'd be like, I got to be honest. I wish I had a great answer. I got to be honest. I'm always the guy that's 30 seconds late for everything. Uh, and, you know, like sometimes just owning it and bringing it up front uh, can be the best. If that's true. I mean, if you're not, um, you know, you, I don't think you did a, a bad job answering it. Uh, and, I, and I tried, as I do in a real interview, to make you at ease. It's not a, it's not a uh, court case where I'm trying to like prove you guilty. Like I'm looking for good people and I want to know the truth about who you are and what in your self knowledge and everything. And the best way is to make you comfortable. So sometimes if I ask an uncomfortable question like that, I usually try really hard to kinda, to kinda make you feel at ease and to make some chit chat and things like that as well. So um, how do you feel about the length of your answers?
1: Uh, I thought they were so far as I could tell fine. Um, I didn't want to be talking too much. I wanted, um, to enough to express myself uh, enough to deliver the message, but you know, I wanted to hear what else the person wanted to ask or inquire about. I mean, this is a time when uh, they're trying to get to know me better. So if I ramble on too long about something, uh, they're losing the, you know, the potential value that they could gain about something else, uh, might be missed.
0: Yeah. A, a few of your answers felt a bit long to me or, or maybe a bit abstract not connected to <laughs> specific instances and examples almost almost kind of academic you know like mm-hmm. if a person were to consider what innovation means versus like you know what Here's an example of how I think of innovation. One time I did this, so kind of connecting it to more concrete things faster, I think can help. There were a few times where you started to kind of get into the clouds and pontificate just <laughs> just a tad. It still had a good pace, but it, it just bordered on that. I can I can tell you're you're a a thinker, and you've been uh, you probably do really well in school and with reports and and um, stuff like that. So that can that can take a bit to kind of come down from and connect it to the to the world um did it put you off your game or was it uh nice when i would sort of i don't know break the fourth wall and kind of reference things like oh that's a clever way to to handle that question or sort of reference the fact <laughs> the that the economist we were in an interview playing a game yeah
1: i thought that was hilarious um i always like some good jokes i was like a little humor there um so i think it was good to break that up uh because if you're just like Okay uh, next question you know that's sort of um, unsettling and you know it's just two people talking and you're just trying to better understand each other. So when you can create something and say you know make a little joke out of it or mention something, then uh, that brings a little more life to the for both of you.
0: Yeah, that came through like it was very clear that you were comfortable and conversational. One of the ways I, I kind of like to throw in a joke or, or reference the fact that you know, Uh, Oh, good job saying that because that's the easiest way to avoid a bad interview question or whatever, kind of reference the fact that we're interviewing. One of the reasons I like to do that is because some people, they don't, it's like they're not in normal conversation mode. I'm in interview mode and they're not ready for jokes or things that come out of left field. And so they just sort of don't know what to do. (laughs) And uh, not that that means that they're like unhirable, but I think showing that adaptability to sort of contextualize, oh, this person is sort of playing it this way. They're being relaxed. Um, it's almost like when you go in and someone says, can I get you water? It's just always better or coffee or whatever to say yes. Uh, or to say, I don't want coffee, but I'll have water because then you have this sort of reciprocity to when someone makes a joke to sort of <laughs> be able to break out of serious mode. And I thought you did a really good, a really good job with that. Thank you. Um, you know, a couple of the questions, uh, just for our listeners, for you as well, I'll give you sort of a reason behind some of the questions that I asked. Um, The question about how would you make the most money uh, in the shortest amount of time? I think that's an interesting question to discover a couple things. One is people's level of self knowledge and honesty, um, and two is sort of their opportunistic or entrepreneurial insight. um, And those can be valued to varying degrees depending upon the role. But I thought you really nailed it in terms of the honesty. You were like, you know, many people might just say, oh, I would invest it all in really cool startups or the stock market or Bitcoin or something like as if just having the money would make them able to, you know, be an expert at it. Um, but you were like, I look, I don't have those skills. I don't know enough about those. What I do know how to do is X, Y, and Z. So I would do that. I thought it was really good at the self-honesty. It maybe may told me on the other side that Your view of opportunity in the world is fairly limited, or at least it came across somewhat this way, as kind of an employee mindset. Like I would just work more hours. I would just contract myself out maximal hours. But that has a pretty low ceiling. Like you can make maybe maybe a few hundred thousand dollars if you do something really valuable, um, you know, in a year. At and you're just working a ton of hours. But to sort of demonstrate you know, uh, that you understand where the leverage points are, where you can make exponential uh, growth, you know, is something like, like I would immediately, you know, get a bunch of hacker friends and we would build a marketplace for X and we'd take a percentage of each transaction or whatever. I mean, you don't have to have all these ideas, but it's interesting, it's not a bad thing. In fact, sometimes I may be looking for that for someone whose idea of increasing their monetary income is working more or working harder in a sales role, if commission is involved, if that's how they see as the way to get more resources, that may be a good thing too. Um, uh, Let me see here, any any questions that you thought were weird or interesting or uh, you had any questions about?
1: Uh, I really like the question about if you could have a conversation with someone, who would that person be? I think, you know, my answer with Peter Thiel or Elon Musk, you know, I see these guys in interviews or their speeches or whatever, and, and they're nice speeches. They're nice talks, but you can tell. And if you look very closely, I love I love analyzing people. Um, I'm analyzing
0: you right now, Isaac. <laughs> no, that, just that's just uh, true. But when you say it, it just sounds creepy. <laughs> no, you're not supposed to say that. No, it's 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 OK. You can analyze. You can give me a report later. Forty-four page. That's forty-four pages on Isaac yes. on Isaac Morehouse yes.
1: and his personality. So, um, right. So, um, if you look in, you, know, you kind of look at them and see how they talk. You realize that they really have to tone down what their thoughts are. Um, so, I'd like to be able to get more of what do they actually want to say? What do they actually think about the future? What you know, are their What are the secrets thoughts? that
0: they're keeping? What are they holding? What down? are their secrets that they're keeping? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um. By the way, so you are right now. You're kind of like on the job market, so this so this exercise is, is sort of relevant to, to where you're at. Uh, is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Okay. I thought so. Um, so, an interesting, a couple of quick interesting points uh, on the, the sleep question. A lot of people think when you ask, you know, how long, what's the longest you've gone without sleeping to finish something, that like you're supposed to answer, you know, 72 hours or something like that uh, to, to impress. And it's really not about a right or wrong answer, as many of these, just like action versus analysis. It's really about what's your level of self-honesty and what are you willing to own versus trying to figure out what you think will impress the most and just saying, you know what? I'm somebody who gets eight hours of sleep every night. Like That's not good or bad. It tells me something. I might ask why and whatever or saying I'm, I'm heavily action biased or I'm, I always get in trouble by shooting first or I analyze too much. Like. Those things can be and, – and some people go overboard. They're like, oh, I have failed so many times. Let me tell you about my failures and you know, trying to be humble. But I think those are those are good questions where it's not right or wrong and it's not about figuring out the right answer. It's just about being honest. And, and I always figure if who I am is not a good fit for this company, I don't want to work there anyway. Um, so anyway, I thought, I thought you did a good job there. I always like to present opportunities to people in an interview to either be honest fully or – see if they're trying to figure out the right answer. By the way, I thought you were absolutely at your best when I asked you what you have a monopoly over. Um, Word. You kind of, you kind of just had like a real comfort and command when you just started answering that question. It's like you were kind of in charge uh, in in a, in a really, in a really powerful way. Um, Okay. I'm going to just spit out the last few thoughts I had written down here. I know I've been talking a lot uh, before we wrap up, but you know, obviously if this was a real interview, there'd be a lot more about the specific role Um, I'd be asking more questions about how you would perform in the role itself, more about the industry and things like that since, you know, since I don't know what Acme company really is, uh, that was harder. Um, I would say a couple, so if you were really applying for a business development role at a startup, I would have, based on this interview, I'd be very impressed with you as a thinker, as a communicator, and as a deep and interesting person. I would have some concerns about the role, um, not deal breakers, but things I'd want to dig into further. Um, primarily it just seems that you're more of a research type person where in the startup world, especially for business development, just doing a taking a lot of actions like the, like you would definitely need some training, I would suspect. So like the cold email, that was a lot of depth and background, probably too much, you know, giving, getting just a really quick you know, what are the good cold emails supposed to be like nine words with a question, (laughs) you know? Um, yeah, it's different in every industry and everything, but it's clear. I would start to think, I don't know if business development is really this guy's forte. He seems like he really likes research, but research is not as highly valued for a startup as it might be for a large corporation. That's doing sort of white papers and, and position statements on the state of the industry or things like that, or, you know, academic places. Um, so I think that's interesting if, if you really do want to go into that realm, getting a little bit more familiar with what's valued and seeing if it is a good fit, what are some ways you might have to get a little bit more sort of snappy uh, and a little less focused on researchy type stuff? Or if it's not a good fit, what are some other areas you could apply those, those, research, um, those research skills? Um, and then the final thought I had was the inbox question. I like asking people that. Personally, I'm a huge zero inbox guy, so I always am a little skeptical of people whose inboxes are full of stuff, and I'm always worried that stuff is gonna get overlooked because I, I know it has. Now, I've emailed with you several times and it never has, so you probably do have a system that works, but um, I would be, if somebody's gonna be doing a lot of emails, a lot of outreach, I would definitely want to know more about your how you manage your to-do lists, how you manage your communications, are you, um, you know, do, you, do you switch from Facebook to text to email all the time like a lot of young people which can be annoying, or are you really organized about it and do you have a system? Those are some things that I would want to explore further. Uh, but I would tell you, I'd recommend you for uh, a second interview, uh, if nothing else based on this, if I was running Acme Co, I thought you really, uh, really did a great job. You know, Isaac, that really means a lot. I appreciate that, really. Uh, so what? Any anything else? Any other any other uh, thoughts on interviews? This this exercise? Uh, anything else you want to you want to share with my listeners?
1: You know, I think um, I wanted to go a little bit more actually onto the Facebook part. So I actually um, back in October, I just I kind of just stopped using Facebook. Um, not um, entirely. The messenger is still very good and it's very useful because a lot of people have Facebook. Um, but I, I guess I, I, I shy away from Facebook, um, and I sort of prog- I sort of progressed over the, over sort of my time using Facebook. It was interesting, but I feel like um, and it's good to catch up to see what people have. But it, it almost it's <laughs> yeah sometimes, but it's almost like um, the content, uh, you know, and maybe this it, it just it just lacks it seems to lack innovation. It seems to lack something new, something exciting. It's just, it, it's sort of just mundane and not, not people's lives, but it's just, you know, when there's things like, okay, graduation photos, or I just got it through this program, or, you know, those are, those are awesome statuses. I love to like those. I love to say congratulations. I love when people are going out and doing things, but if it's just like, yo, grabbing a smoothie, hashtag freezy, hashtag summer. You know, I, I, you know, it's just, there's just, that's not creating value. And I understand that sometimes things like that are funny and there's a good time for all of that. You know, I love to have a good time,
0: but. Facebook's a weird thing where there's probably no tool or platform that has been and continues to be more valuable for me personally and professionally in terms of building a network and sort of building a tribe and communicating things. So I use it heavily for distribution, but over the Mm -hmm. last few years, I have gone to where I do not use it for consumption hardly at all. I scan the news feed a few minutes, maybe once or twice a day, and then I'll often take three, four days at a time off where I'll still post stuff to it from third parties or from blogs or whatever or from, I'll have Siri post an update for me so I don't actually have to get into the Facebook app. Um, But I don't like consuming it very much and I don't filter my news feed or curate it Twitter has been much more valuable to me for consuming interesting information and news, you know, updates on technology, things like that. So it's, really, it's been really interesting how that's unfolded. And, and Facebook can, can really be a time suck if you're not careful. Uh, definitely. That's why that's why
1: I stopped using it as much. It just it again, I wasn't really learning as much. Um I decided, okay, let's go read books. Let's go try to find stuff on the internet, you know, whatever I wanted. I could seek out exactly what I wanted and go, you know, try to learn something.
0: What, what were the last um, couple of books you read? That's a that's a question I often ask in interviews
1: oh, as goodness. well. Um well actually I'm reading one right now. It's about negotiations. Actually um from a professor at Stanford. It's called Getting and in parentheses, more of what you want. It's talking about how negotiations are not right. They're not like, um, they're not just, they're not just, you know, trying trying to get the upper hand in one way, you know, they can be, uh, a a win-win for both people. And I think that's sometimes how people think of negotiating is just, okay, here's a negotiation. Somebody's got to lose. Okay, why does it have to be that way? Why don't we, you know, get a little more open, get a little more understanding about what the expectations are on either side and try to find not even a compromise because that's not the correct word, but more of really just a a complete win all around.
0: You know, Um, I was was listening to uh, Daniel Pink, uh, who's written a lot of, uh, phenomenal books on, in uh, which, by the way, uh, I've never finished any of them, but I've sort of <laughs> scanned and I, I heard him that. interview heard about that. them. Um, but he was, I think it was on the startup grind podcast and he was talking about some, some study where they had people trying to sell, I think it was something really basic like car washes and they had three groups and they had one group just saying, okay, go out and sell, you know, the best, try to sell it, thinking about getting the best deal for people. And then they had a the next group say, go try to sell it, thinking about getting the best deal for people, paying particular attention to how the customers feel. And then the third one was, go try to give the best deal, paying particular attention to what the customer, how they're thinking rationally. And he said, everyone suspects, oh, you know, sales is about connecting to people's feelings, that, you know, the, the second one's gonna do the best. He said, well, both the second and third did phenomenally better than the first. If you're just trying to sell, here, this is a good deal uh, versus trying to pay attention to the person's, uh, how they feel, how they think you're going to, you're going to do much better paying attention to, to thoughts and feelings. But he said, surprisingly, people who are paying attention to the rational thought did better than those thinking about feelings. And I think that's really interesting. We often think that, you know, sort of, if you just get them to, if you just empathize with them, uh, that will be sufficient and that does something. And that definitely matters. but, but, Understanding people's rational decision making and what it what is in their self interest. If you were in their shoes, what would you value? Um, is a really powerful way to sort of sell, persuade, negotiate. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree on that.
0: Yeah, and and hey, that goes for interviews too. You know, always thinking about <laughs> if I were this person, they've probably read hundreds of resumes. They're probably doing a dozen interviews. What would create value for them? What is their pain point? What what are they hoping to do? And what's in their self-interest? And just thinking from those terms can really be helpful. Daniel, this was a really fun exercise. I had a blast. I hope people uh, got some some good ideas, some good tips. I am by no means placing myself as some sort of HR expert or interview expert. So there's probably all kinds of flaws with the, with the way that I went about this mock interview, but um, <laughs> we're keeping it real. Where can people find more about you, Daniel Myers, and that's spelled M-Y-E-R-S, uh, if they want to learn more about who you are and what you're up to?
1: You know, um, the best place honestly is to go on LinkedIn right now. I'm actually in the process of building my website, and I can uh, give that to you later. And you know, if you want to put this put that link on the podcast um, description later too, that would be good for anybody who listens. Uh, you know, little little later on in the in in the in this year or wherever.
0: So LinkedIn, it's Daniel Myers M Y E R S, uh, and there might be other Daniel Myers. So you're the one. Uh, what? How, how can they make sure it's you?
1: uh, uh <clears throat> Uh, my title is entrepreneurial scientist. Um, so I, I try to try to try to consolidate, you know, what I'm coming from and, you know, what, what I try to consider myself to be. So Daniel Myers, entrepreneurial scientist on mm.
0: LinkedIn. We, we might have to talk about that title. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's confusing and it's not selling yourself very well. But hey, for another day, Daniel, you did a phenomenal job. Thanks for being a, a great sport and going through this exercise. Uh, check out Daniel Myers on LinkedIn. Have a great day.
1: All right. Thanks, Isaac. It was awesome.